Hi, this is JD, and you're listening to Chimera Cast, a story gaming actual play podcast. Today, we're playing Trophy Gold by Jesse Ross, continuing the seaside we played before called Hester's Mill. And we're very excited that Jason Cordova of The Gauntlet has returned to our podcast to run the game again for us. Jason is running us through an incursion called the Rhyme Palace by Cloven Pine Games. If you like what we do, we would love your support on Patreon or by buying a shirt or a sticker from us. And you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. For more information on anything I just mentioned, links can be found in the show notes of this episode. Thank you so much and enjoy the Rhyme Palace. Before we begin, I want to do a little bit of housekeeping and then a little bit of recap. Let me start with recap first. So you managed to land the bone ship Ardkin at the Rhyme Palace, and you got past some sort of giant moths, and then you wandered through some corridors until you ended up in the Hall of Games. And in the Hall of Games, we had several encounters going on there kind of simultaneously, mostly social encounters. There was a game that was played with Syrah, the game warden. There was a game that was played with the sort of ghost soldier who's been sort of tormenting Bruno. And there was the game with Beatrix Mandrake, which was mostly just Ezio fawning over Beatrix and Zabatu and Beatrix kind of having like a little rivalry going on. The games were all resolved. The main thing that was at stake was acquiring these masks This was part of the set goal. It was to get a mask that will basically help disguise you from the palace's guardians, right? And everyone had a mask at the end, except for Zabatu. But even Zabatu, you also have access to a mask because Editha was there playing a game with the sort of ghost of her husband, and she got trapped in the spider pit below the game hall. And a little later, her husband was sort of wandering up to you with his mask, and the spider rose up out of the pit. Aditha, riding the crystal spider, stabbed her husband, dragged him down, and I think he dropped his mask on the ground. So there is a mask to be had. Also, at the end there, Zapatu, you managed to break the tether that was connecting Beatrix to her body. And so we think that maybe her spirit or her astral form is trapped here now. We don't quite yet know, but that's sort of what we think is happening with that. I do want to point out that, Bruno, you won some treasure from Syrah in addition to the mask. You got the porcelain compass and you got a bottle of starlight. They are both worth two gold, so you can put those in your equipment. 
And everybody else who has a mask can add that to your equipment as well. It's worth one gold in addition to the fact that it disguises you from the palace's guardians. So a bit of housekeeping then. I just want to go through and find out how much gold you have either in money or treasure and the amount that it's worth, how many hunt tokens you have, how much ruin you have, conditions, and your burdens. Let's start with Sabatu. Yeah, Sabatu currently, I have two gold in found equipment. I have two hunt tokens, three ruin, no conditions, three burdens. Awesome. Bruno? I have no gold but I have the porcelain compass, the vial of starlight, and the mask. No hunt tokens, five ruin, and three burden. And I have the condition scarred hand. Thank you. Dion? It looks like I have zero gold, but of course I have a couple of things as well. I have one hunt token, I have two ruin, and I have three burdens. All right. And Ezio? Okay, I have no actual gold, but I have a wedding ring and now the mask. So two things I can sell for a gold each. Three ruin, three burdens, and a hunt token. Fantastic. So I want to remind you about the geography of our space here. First of all, Zabatu, do you take the mask that Aditha's husband drops? Yeah, I'll take it. So you have that, and that completes the cycle with everybody having a mask now. At the other end of the Hall of Games, there is a sort of gauzy curtain that sort of covers a doorway. That's sort of the continuation. You can kind of continue on that way if you wish. Also, there is the spider pit. There may be treasures down there. You can definitely attempt to go down there and investigate it if you wish, or you can proceed past that curtain in the doorway. Let's just have that scene at the sort of conclusion here of all of that. I think Beatrix is not in the scene. She may be in the Rhine Palace still, but she is not currently there. So the spider has just exploded out of this floor and dragged Aditha's husband down into this pit with her on the spider's back. And Ezio goes sprawling backwards, crawling, scooting on his ass back away from this hole made in the floor, dabbing at his damp forehead. By the sisters, what is that? I think as the spider drags the husband down into this pit, Zabatu is calmly watching it happen. It's the opposite reaction, and I'm only a few feet away from Ezio. And as the mask falls in front of me, I'm going to lean down and pick it up in my gauntleted hand. She accomplished so much with one leg. Imagine what she'll do with nine. That's pretty good. That's a good line. <laughs> yeah. I think Bruno has his like sword out, and he's leaning over this pit. Do you think she's coming back for us? I hope not. Lord Dion wasn't exactly the most kind to her. Maybe she'll come back for him. He says, hopefully. <laughs> Let's not stick around to find out. Lord Dion ignores the jab. <laughs> yes, I do believe it is time for us to be moving forward. Perhaps it is time to finally go behind the gossamer curtains. And I gesture. So is everyone going that way? Yeah. Past the curtain leads to another corridor similar to the ones that you entered that led to the Hall of Games. And much as before, this passageway splits and twists and turns and separates you all occasionally from each other and puts you back together. It's much like traveling through the Gossamer Void, traveling through these corridors has a dreamlike quality. You are inexorably moving towards something, but you don't really know what, and you don't worry too much about navigating the space. 
until you do find yourselves all together in the Masquerade Garden. And the set goal of the Masquerade Garden is unlock the stairs to the Rhyme Throne. The Masquerade Garden is a vast, wintry garden. There is a large marble dance floor that dominates the space, and there are frost-dusted topiaries all around the dance floor. These topiaries, they depict romantic embraces between humanoid creatures of many sorts, elves embracing mermaids, men embracing minotaurs, just topiaries showing romantic embrace. There's one topiary that stands out from the rest in that it is by itself. It depicts just a single person. The hedge is sort of cut to look like a man wearing a crown with his arms spread wide open. All around the ground, especially near the bases of the topiaries, are roses with mirror-like petals. The sky above you is lit by multiple unfamiliar moons. And prowling the perimeter of the space are these wolf-like creatures. But they're not furry. <laughs> they look like patches of deep night twinkling with stars, but moving about on all fours, roaming about the place. And on the dance floor, which again is the sort of large central feature of the Masquerade Garden, you see little glowing wisps flitting and floating about here and there. I'll turn it over to you guys now. What is a topiary? Oh, sure. Like a hedge cut to look like something, like Edward Scissorhands cutting things into shapes. Gotcha. Also, I missed, is there music playing? No, there's not. All you can hear is just this sort of crunch of frost beneath your boots. Bruno puts his mask on. Is it like a full face mask or is it not a domino mask, but like a, one of the fancy masks, you know, that covers like half the face? Here's the thing. When you put it on, it sort of changes shape to fit you and to depict something important to you. And in fact, the mask, which is a sort of like masquerade mask that you might see at like a Venetian ball or something, right? But the masks, when you put them on, depict or otherwise reflect something about your drive even if it's sort of just abstract. When you put yours on, what does it look like to everyone else? This is a question for everyone who's not Bruno. The first person to speak gets to decide, how does the mask reflect Bruno's drive? It's retrieve the lost banner of the Nameless Legion. I think the Nameless Legion wore masks. Their anonymity is part of how they kept that name. as part of their mystique on the battlefield not being able to look in the faces of your opponent. And so I think it is this same mask molds itself and forms the old mask of the Nameless Legions, identical to every other soldier in the Legion. Nice. Do the rest of you put your masks on? Oh, Ezio's been wearing his mask since the room previous. <laughs> I love it. Let's talk about Ezio then. Remind us of your drive, Ezio. Retire in the Rose District of Ambare. Mm-hmm. How does the mask reflect that? I think we see multiple candelabra that light up the sides of the mask and illuminate. And in the center of his forehead is a half-drank wine glass. <laughs> <laughs> so just decadence yeah. and luxury. Good. I like it. Sabatu, what's your drive? My drive is to hire 100 chanters to perform the ritual that will bring forth the scion. Ah, very nice. How is that reflected in the mask? 
I think the mask is more a veil that hangs down in front of her face. And it's chimes and wood blocks that when her head moves, makes the sound of the chanting. Oh, nice. Good. And Lord Dion, what is your drive? Fun to voyage to the end of the world. Indeed, indeed. How is that reflected in the mask? Lord Dion's mask, it looks like a bunch of gold coins or doubloons molded or welded together, kind of flattened around your face, creating like a strange sort of glasses, like cat-eye glasses around your face. Because you're all wearing your masks, these sort of starlight wolf beings, they don't approach you in a hostile way. They're clearly watching you, even though they don't have eyes, just patches of starlight where their eyes should be. You can tell they're keeping an eye, but they're not making any aggressive moves. Lord Dion, what do you do? I make my way forward onto the dance floor. As soon as you step on the dance floor, the wisps of light transform. And indeed, the whole dance floor transforms. And this is just in your perception, by the way, nobody else. Everybody else perceives you changing into a wisp (laughs) when you step onto the dance floor. But you perceive that the dance floor is filled with gorgeous, glittering, rhyme-court nobles, frolicking, trading witty remarks, doing waltzes together. These rhyme-court nobles are sort of semi-solid, semi-translucent in appearance. Lords and ladies, all tall, all pale, all gorgeous, with elegant branching antlers coming off their heads, half-masks on their beautiful faces. Some wear gossamer gowns, some wear calfskin gloves. They all have ceramic swords. The men have birch armor and lots of glittering pieces of crystal and jewelry. And they're just sort of chatting and talking and dancing. You overhear a couple of rhyme court ladies say to each other, having a little conversation. Did you hear about Sir Quest? Quite the charmer, isn't he? And yet the Lady of Louds refused him her favor. What could she have been thinking? What could she have known? And in another corner, you hear, You must be deferential to Lady Peril. She thinks her charms are still what they were a century ago, and if you don't cater to her illusions, she'll be most put out. And it's this sort of talk and chatter going on all around you, Lord Dion. Someone will see you. A Rancourt lady wearing a beautiful blue gossamer gown and a half mask made of pearl. And of course, delicate antlers coming out of her head. And the antlers are strung with blue ribbons. And she says, hello, my lord. I don't think we've met. There's a pleased smile on Dion's face at finally being called Lord again, right? (laughs) Like coming home, these ingrates have just called me Dion for so long. You will have to forgive me, for I have been stunned. And he grasps at his chest. She says, my, aren't you the flatterer? I'm Lady Moth, and you are? I am Lord Dion Devenos. I am new to your country, and it is my pleasure to meet you. And he bows very deeply. Indeed. She says, you have impeccable manners. They must have a very, very refined way of engaging socially. You truly have learned the art of social graces wherever you're from. Please, won't you join me in a dance? It would be my utmost pleasure, Lady Moth. 
And back to the rest of you, you didn't see any of this. You just see Lord Dion change into a wisp of light bouncing around on the marble floor. Ezio, what do you do? So Ezio, walking out of the labyrinthine path, walking here, already wearing his mask and feeling kind of giddy. He likes costumes. And expecting to see something like this, we walk out in this great masquerade. Where's the bar set up? <laughs> There's nothing like that that you can see. I have a hunt token, Jason. Can there be... <laughs> you could definitely spend it. I will spend a hunt token as I, I begin looking around for even the whiff of... I'll take some flat champagne, if nothing else. <laughs> There's a very delicate, crystalline bird flitting between the silvery flowers near the bases of the topiaries, and it just flies over into your hand, and inside its body there is a golden bubbling liquid. You can keep the bird. It's worth one gold. Or? Or find out a way to get to the liquid. So wait, it's it's a, it's like a crystalline bird, right? Yes. You know, it feels bad to just crack its head off. Uh, <laughs> at the very least, Bruno and Zabatu see Ezio hemming and hawing over whether or not to break this crystalline bird. <laughs> kind of squinting at it and like wincing and like wrapping his hand around it and wondering if he should do it or not. Bruno comes up behind you. Ezio, what are you doing with that bird? Ah! And like it shatters in my hand into two pieces. Oh no. Ah. Turning around like sheepishly looking like he'd done something wrong. I'm gonna quietly sip at this liquid in the- Do you drink the liquid? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's fantastic. It's really, really good. It has almost a very like powerful, even instantaneous effect on you. It starts to fill you with a warmth- but also a very strong desire to celebrate. You want to go onto the dance floor. You want to enjoy yourself right now. You just drink Molly is what just yeah, happened. Yeah, you just drink a liquid Molly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what you did. Yeah. Oh, so Ezio lifts it tentatively to his lips. There's a weird kind of scene shame to him. As soon as it touches his lips, his eyes light up and he downs the rest of it. <laughs> Very good. He leaves a little bit in the glass and shoves it into Bruno's chest. Drink some of this. It's wonderful. And I'm going <laughs> to grab Bruno around the neck and pull him backward onto the dance floor. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> when you step onto the dance floor, it is just as I described. You see all of these like tall rhyme court nobles. They're very beautiful. They have antlers. They have birch armor or gossamer gowns porcelain swords the whole bit they're dancing they're chatting they're talking you see lord dion <laughs> over there like dancing with this very beautiful rhyme court lady and it's a party there are more of these little crystalline birds just flitting around in the sky you'll notice in fact and occasionally one of the rhyme court nobles reaches up and cracks the head off and drinks the liquid right out of it and you're approached by a rhyme court noble the both of you His birch armor has been dyed a very, very deep black color, and his antlers are very deep black as well, with like tips of red. It's almost sinister looking. And his mask is this sort of half black, like red teardrop kind of mask. And he says, my name is Lord Siege. Welcome to our Rhymecourt Ball. As soon as Bruno starts to formulate a response, Ezio hugs Lord Siege tightly around the waist. 
Oh, sisters, thank you for this wonderful ball. <laughs> he says, now, now, friend, you seem to be losing yourself a bit. I take it this is your first rhyme court ball? My first and my last, for this will last forever. I try to grab Bruno's hand again and drag him backward to dance with me, which I don't think you're very susceptible to. Yeah, no. <laughs> Bruno yanks his hand free of Ezio's clammy grasp. Are you the host then, Lord Siege? No, no, no. There is no host here. Well, there is a host, technically, but we don't see him very often, we'll say. We'll just leave it at that. Um, I am something of a guest of honor, though. I am a military commander serving the Rhyme Court. So many of my fellows and ladies here are, uh, well, they're a bit foolish or flippant. Uh, I have something of a serious reputation, he says, as he sort of, like, tries to disentangle from Ezio. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of absentmindedly, Bruno, not possessing maybe Lord Dion's courtly manners or Ezio's fervor, like dips a finger into this bird corpse and licks some of the goop, blood, whatever it is. <laughs> it's like a fizzy golden drink. Okay, yeah. yeah. And he's just like testing the waters, I suppose, with it. Indeed. You have that same feeling. And as you drink it and look at Lord Siege, you see Lord Siege as someone who is a true military genius, a brilliant tactical mind. You might even be a little starstruck here when you look at him. Would he potentially be somebody that I would have like, whatever this world's equivalent of fairy tales would be? Yes, I think that's a fair thing to say. A sort of mythical, legendary figure, absolutely. Yeah. Lord Siege, I've heard of you. Well, I should hope you've heard of me. I have won over 9,000 battles, no fewer than 300 wars, and across 20 different dimensions. I've lost a fair few battles myself, uh, and ran away from, well, <clears throat> just the one. <laughs> I could tell you were a military man by looking at you. There's something about the way you carry yourself. You have a certain sort of dignified disposition to you, he says, as he tries to disentangle from Ezio again. Oh, he, he straight arms Ezio, who stumbles backward, and at this point I have seen the ladies of the court, and I'm going to do that. <laughs> Indeed. Zabatu, what are you up to right now? You'll notice, Zabatu, that the starlight wolf creatures are starting to press a little closer to you. You get the sense that they are waiting on you to walk onto the dance floor. Well, Sabatu enjoys nothing more than spiting creatures that have expectations of her, so uh, <laughs> I'm going to not enter the dance floor just yet. Uh, I'm going to go check out some of these topiaries that are decorating the boundary of the dance floor. Yeah, most of the topiaries, they all depict couples in romantic embrace of various humanoid creatures. I recommend the one with the man and the minotaur. It's pretty hot. <laughs> and then there is just a single one that is like a sort of king-like figure with his arms spread that's sort of central among them all. So which one do you go take a look at? Yeah, I'm going to go check out this uh, this last topiary you mentioned. The singular figure with his arms outspread. That's the different one, right? Yeah, it is. It definitely stands out. Take a hunt roll. Oh, let's see if I can sneak anything else in here. My occupation is a hedge. <laughs> <laughs> um, not the same thing. <laughs> Perhaps if you have a piece of equipment, that would apply. Hmm. Honey, flute. 
I can still pull something out of my backpack, right? Absolutely. If you have slots, yeah. Yeah, I have plenty. Let's see what I can maybe... These hedges had flowers on them, is that right? Near the base of each of the topiaries, there are delicate silver roses. I was at least going to collect one of those, so maybe can I just have a small knife? Perfect, yep, that's fine. You can take two dice, go for it. Uh, That's a five, so token, but encounter something terrible. This topiary is a towering king with arms outstretched, and much of the lower body of the topiary is overgrown with glassy thorns, and it also looks like the mirror roses are much less well-tended than the others. They have gone a little dull, they are infested with glass thorns, whereas the other topiaries, they're very like clean and sparkling, right? There's a sense of neglect going on here, right? One of these starlight wolf creatures walks right up to you, and it speaks with a voice that sounds like a hundred voices speaking at once. It's like this deep, multi-level voice, a voice that seems to come from multiple dimensions, all sort of rising up into this creature's throat. And it says, I'm the end of time, but the beginning of everything. What am I? So what do you say? I have little interest in riddles, dog. The creature snarls and bears its glowing starlight fangs and rears back as if to pounce. What do you do? Zabatu's just going to hold out her gauntleted hand. I'm not afraid of a guard dog, but you can try it if you want to. The creature leaps and you're in combat with it. Let's cut back to the dance floor. You're not aware of any of that if you're on the dance floor. You don't even see Zabatu or the wolf creatures. You do see the topiaries, though. Everything else is a bit of a blur. Lady Moth says, So, Lord Dion, tell me, why have you come here from your strange land? What are you hoping to find? This is while you're dancing, right? We go in for a soft swoop. I take her down and bring her back up. I'm looking to find something new, something fresh. My hope is to one day see the end of everything, the end of the world. (laughs) Well, dance with us long enough and you shall see it. You say us? Yes, here in the Rhyme Court. This particular ball has been, well, I think it's on its sixth century at this point. And it's likely to go for at least six centuries more, if not much longer. We suspect we will be called away to watch some world or another crumble into nothingness, or be destroyed in some sort of cataclysm. Is that what you mean? I'll admit that sounds rather dreary. Oh, but it's not. There's nothing at all dreary about it. Are you saying that my company is dreary, Lord Dion? By the sisters, no, I meant no such thing. You keep mentioning these sisters. Who are they? To think of them is a distant memory. Think of it more as a turn of phrase, wishing someone good luck, telling them that a celestial power has their back. Hmm. I have a sister of my own. She's over there. She goes by Dame Spar. What a preposterous name, really. She's a preposterous person. Why would you say that about family? I'll spin her around. (laughs) Ah, well, I would say such a thing because she's utterly unbearable. I can't believe we share the same parentage. This is almost too much to bear. 
Sure, the end of the world. Cataclysms. Great times where apparently you don't sleep. Do you sleep, Venthus Ball? We do occasionally retire to our rooms, if you know what I mean. I don't know how much sleeping goes on, though. Lord Dion uh, has to hold it together, boys. (laughs) (laughs) Back over to Bruno and Ezio. Well, Ezio, you went off with someone else, right? I'm attempting to ask the ladies around the dance floor if they would like to dance with me. You should dance with Dame Spar. That sounds wonderful. (laughs) Dame Spar is wearing, uh, she has a gossamer gown as well, but it's in a sort of shades of aquamarine and seafoam green. And she has emeralds studded in her antlers and a half mask of emerald. And what's your approach? What do you say? My lady, uh, green has always been my favorite color. She says, well, that's some sort of opening line, I suppose. (laughs) Better than most I have. And Ezio holds out his hand. (sighs) Fair enough. And she takes your hand and (laughs) you are whisked onto the dance floor. And she says, my, 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 look at me and my sister dancing with the strangers here tonight. (sighs) Well, if you ask me, I got the better end of the bargain by the looks of that fop she's dancing with. I can confirm on several counts. Ezio is a fantastic dancer. I just want to put that out there. (laughs) She will comment on such. She says, yes, well, you're certainly a much better dancer than him. That's for sure. Of course, I suppose. Whoever that is, is a good match for my sister. I mean, she's an impossible troll, really. I didn't want to say, but yes. The dancing is, is continuing on. Bruno, what are you and Lord Siege doing? I think Bruno has cracked open another one of these birds. (laughs) Right. You see, it seems to me that the only worthwhile thing for any soldier to do is to turn around and kill the man giving him all the orders and go home. What do you think about that? That is certainly an interesting military theory, soldier. Um, But, well, I have to confess... I am not as steeped in the new ways, in the new tactics, as I should be. I'm a bit of an old dog, and I don't learn new tricks very easily. They have these things called cannons now. Terrifying. Oh, I've no doubt, I've no doubt. Sort of scanning the room, and he says, Hmm, well, who are you going to try to dance with during the Grand Waltz? Bruno turns towards the crowd and sort of scans it. I suppose any of them will do fine. He takes another sip. Uh, not really my uh, cup of tea parties. Well, parties are, but not not so much balls. Here, we shall go together. Come. And he sort of takes you out onto the dance floor to mingle with another group of Rhymecourt nobles. Meanwhile, Zabatu, you're being attacked by one of these creatures. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. It has an endurance of nine. <laughs> <laughs> I got this, don't worry. Say how you're vulnerable and roll your weak point. I would like to not do that, actually, although we potentially can. As it jumps on top of me and knocks me backwards, I let out a strained, All right, you're serious then. Uh, I would like to reverse time on this creature using my ritual. <laughs> you have the rewind ritual? Yes, I do. Ah, very good. Slightly push a person or animal back in time. Very good. Uh, <laughs> I'll take it as a risk roll. So I Excellent. think what you're trying to accomplish is pretty self-evident. Uh, gang, what could go wrong here? I think you just can't avoid the combat. That's my thinking. 
since it seems like there's maybe some like court machinations going on under this ball that as whatever like ritual you do to send this wolf back in time you also see something from the past that you shouldn't have seen that'll put you in danger Hmm, that's pretty good yeah that could be good devil's bargain too to be honest any other thoughts on what could happen if the die roll fails you get some of this celestial animal imprinted on you that sounds also like a devil's bargain situation that might be true so maybe i'll hold off for the devil's bargains i think having to combat it is Mm -hmm. failure stakes enough uh take a look at your dice what do you think about for your light die your first light die do you have a skill or piece of equipment this could be improvisation i'll take it yeah it's you're doing it kind of in a hurry yeah i'm into it yeah now devil's bargains yeah i think this celestial dog fuses with you in some way through the power of temporality whatever it is reacts strangely with your wrappings I yeah think would be yeah well, that's kind of cool i kind of like that yeah no matter what i'm gonna say that no i i like the i like the starlight fusing with the wrappings i don't know i think i'm gonna second that one any other offers no i like that one too yeah it sounds good i'm gonna take it because it does sound great to me as well and you get a dark die for the ritual, so go ahead and roll risk two, one. Two light, one dark. Four light. The complication is going to be that, oh, the way you have to actually rewind the time is to undo the wrappings. And so you won't have the wrappings on one of your arms anymore. Mm. If you want to avoid that, you can add a dark die and reroll. No, I, I like it. I think that's interesting. So yeah, I think the my ungauntleted hand now, that arm will be exposed, my right hand. Okay, so go ahead and just give me the scene. Yeah, I think as this uh, starlit hound leaps on me, teeth gnashing, all right, you're serious then, and then push it away with my gauntleted hand. And knowing that I need to cast this spell quickly... I mutter out a quick incantation and then bite down on the wrappings on my right arm and pull it away with my teeth since my hand is occupied keeping these jaws away from me. And as I do this, I think it opens up this wolf so it begins to bleed on me like I had wounded it somehow as it gets yanked back through time and reverses away. And as the blood like spatters across me, it's these starlit twinklings like growing across the wrappings covering my chest. Yeah, I like that. I, th- I like the idea of your chest now looks almost like a Milky Way or something, right? Like it has this like starry night quality to it. That's pretty cool. At what point are you pushing it back in time? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. It swirls around it. And as it pushes it backward, uh, it just goes back to where it asked me the riddle. Oh, okay. Yeah. It repeats the riddle. You're the letter E. Leave me alone. <laughs> the creature says, please enjoy the grand waltz and sort of like moves its starry snout, points it toward the dance floor as if that's where you belong, and walks off. Letting out a a kind of like sigh, looking myself over, realizing the toll that this has taken. I at least collect a few of these flowers. (laughs) I'm going to earn something for this. Yeah, you can take some of the silver roses. Um, They are collectively worth one gold. Excellent. Back to the dance floor. Someone calls out... The Grand Waltz is ready to begin. The Grand Waltz. And there is music here, by the way. Once you step onto the dance floor, I didn't make that clear, but you can hear music. It's unclear where it's coming from, though. And everyone is starting to sort of, like, 
form up into lines, into rows in order to do this sort of waltz where you sort of toss your partners to the next person and so forth and so on. And everyone is expected to participate. Um, Zabatu, do you stand, do you step to the dance floor yet? Or are you still outside the dance floor? Yeah, I, I will now. I think I've thoroughly looked this place over and at least collected something. You step onto the dance floor and it's, it's as I've described, except they're getting ready to do this waltz and a woman sort of like steps in front of you and kind of offers her hand as if to say, you know, you'll be dancing with her to begin. Right. And Lady Moth says, ah, the grand waltz now. Lord Dion, I'm sure I don't have to explain this to you, but this dance is very, very important. It's so easy to commit terrible, deadly social faux pas in the middle of it. We shall all do our best to show off our best moves, to, well, be the brightest peacock on the dance floor, and we will not, we will not commit any terrible social faux pas. She says, now, your companions you came with, they don't seem as cultured or refined as you, and so I fear for them. But of course, you have nothing to worry about, do you, Lord Dion? Lord Dion takes the back of his hand and dabs at his forehead a little bit. No, I believe I should have every social grace that the court requires. Are there any particular peculiarities that I should uh, be worried. Oh, you'll figure it out as we go. <laughs> Dame Spar says, now this is going to be really something to watch. My sister is a complete pig. She might as well be dancing on hooves. She's so clumsy. She has no grace whatsoever. And I can tell that that buffoon she's dancing with, well, it's going to be like watching a marionette show, but with a puppeteer missing a hand or something. You're a good dancer, though, I can tell. You seem like you know how to handle yourself. You know the steps. Ezio's breathing pretty heavily at this point and sweating. He's been trying really hard. <laughs> she says, now, it is something of a mistake to look like you are, well, exerting yourself so much. And so she takes out her gossamer uh, handkerchief and sort of dabs your forehead, right? <sighs> Thank you. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'll, I'll be more composed more elegant more refined less of a great heaving mass of humanity Ezio feels very seen <laughs> indeed <laughs> <laughs> and Lord Siege is also ready to have the dance and everyone is getting into place so we're going to engage a special rule in this incursion called the dance roll. It works just like a combat roll, except if your ruin goes up, it means you have committed a terrible faux pas. <laughs> and the Rhyme Court nobles will literally hurt you for doing that. He's going to take out a club and punish you on the spot. <laughs> And so, just like a combat roll, you can use your armor to reduce any ruin that you would take on a roll, but you have to describe how your armor helps you avoid the faux pas, <laughs> and so that's what your sort of it does. Or you can use your mask to avoid the faux pas as well. However, if you do that, it leaves you without a mask, which could be problematic. 
Otherwise, it works more or less like a dance roll. There's a whole description in the uh, incursion how it works, but I've just given you the sort of short version. Everyone has to roll weak point as normal, except in this case, you have to say how you're vulnerable socially and then roll weak. I'll start with that because we already established it. Ezio gassed himself showing off before the big dance. (laughs) (laughs) Now he's tired. (laughs) Very good. So, oh, and and do I just, uh, what is weak point 1d6? It's a light die. Five. Five, okay. Lord Dion, how are you vulnerable? Lord Dion's uh, weakness here is he's inattentive to any one person because mm-hmm. he's trying to read the room for what to do. Yeah. He's not paying attention as one would do in a dance like You're this. smart enough to try to be learning the dance as the dance is happening, but that also means you might miss something. Yeah. That's good. I love it. What was your weak point? Oh, yeah. One. One. Bruno, how are you vulnerable socially? Bruno has two left feet. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Very good. Roll your weak point. <laughs> I'm susceptible to this dance in that I suck at dancing. I'm not good at dancing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got a three. A three. We have a five, a one, a three, and Sabatu, how are you vulnerable? The the last time that I would have danced would have been with my student who I killed. And so the memories might come and overwhelm me a little bit. Ah, very good, very good. Roll your weak point. Six. Great. Mm. Six, five, one, and three. We start off with the dance roll, but we roll it as a combat roll. It is one, two, three, four. Dion, you were first on the dance floor, so you give us the first combat roll. Okay, sounds good. Here. One, two twos, and a three. One, two twos, and a three. So whoever has one and three, you're committing a social faux pas. You have to get 12 on the two highest dice, so you're nowhere near that. Let's begin the dance. Lord Dion, kick us off. Give us give us the first part of the dance. What are you doing? What's happening? Lord Dion is not in lockstep with everyone as they begin some weird jutting motions of their legs, stepping them out forward and kind of a diva strike across from each other, reeling it back in, back out, back in. And Dion's just a little behind, just a tiny bit behind. Dion is doing his best as the arms raise above the head and create a beautiful cross to keep the figure and posture of his twisting body. But he's a little off because he's trying to mirror his partner and he's mirroring wrong. He's doing the same shoulder instead of the opposite type of thing. And your partner, who is Lady Moth. She's your initial partner, at least. Yeah. She passes you on to Lord Siege. So now it's you and Lord Siege doing this thing. And you're trying to hold this posture with your hands over your head. And it's very weird. And Lord Siege says, stand straighter, soldier. And he physically grabs you and wrenches you to where you're standing taller. You can feel your back cracking as he does so. But you're on point. <laughs> and your ruin goes up by one. As you had a one, right? Yeah. yeah. That puts you at three ruin. All right, Ezio, continue the dance. Everybody's moving in a circle, and Ezio gets passed off to Lady Moth as the the room begins to like expand into like a circle, and two people in groups each go to the center, and Ezio jumps into her arms. She is literally holding Ezio above her head as they spin through the center of the circle that has been created as each person goes through, and Ezio falls to the ground and like picks her back up, and they go back to the outer ring. Nice, very good. All right, keep it going, Bruno. You're committing a faux pas, correct? 
I am committing a faux pas. Bruno and Dame Spar end up in the center together. And she like twirls into Bruno and he goes to catch her and he trips Mm. and almost falls on her. But the way his breastplate sits catches him lower down. So it stops his forward momentum a little bit. (laughs) Okay. And so that's how my breastplate is like saving me from the faux pas. And then it looks like I just dip her down in the dance, but I really about dropped her. (laughs) Nice. That's very good. Mark your breastplate. And then Zabatu, go ahead and continue the dance. Zabatu didn't know who she started dancing with. And now certainly after people start getting passed around is kind of in this whirlwind of people. But if there's one thing that she's actually pretty good at when it comes to dancing, it's keeping the right rhythm. So she's very much going with the flow as the pace of the dance changes and things begin to speed up. Very good. Very good. Now, second round of the dance roll. You can leave the dance. If you leave the dance, you have to grab one of the other treasure hunters, reel them around to dance with your partner, and then excuse yourself from the dance floor. In so doing, you give them your weak point, but you are safe from the dance. So, (laughs) might be something you want to consider, Bruno. It's up to you. Who's continuing with this round of the dance? Bruno is not. This is uh, too hot for him to handle. And I think... Uh, he grabs Lord Dion I know it. and starts poorly dancing with him. And like, I think Lord Dion is leading mm-hmm. as we're twirling around. I have to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So you give Lord Dion to whoever was going to try to dance with you. <laughs> Bruno. Yeah, yeah. Lord Dion, you now have your original weak point plus Bruno's. So what is that now? So I have one and then what's Bruno? Three. I have one and three. One and three. And now we are rolling five dice as Zabatu do a combat five on the die roller, please. Six, four, four, two, and one. It's not good enough to end the dance, but uh, whoever has six and one is taking a hit. Let's keep it going. Zabatu. Dion, you're the other one who has your weak point get hit, right? Yeah. Perfect. The two of us get spun into each other. (laughs) And neither of us have any idea what to do without a partner to help guide us. (laughs) 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 And so the big issue is that we miss the cue for when the lines are supposed to separate again. Oh, no. And we both get caught out just in the center of the dance floor. Like, uh... (laughs) And have to run over to our respective sections. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And your ruin goes up just from sheer humiliation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lord Dion, assuming that's okay with you, with, with me taking that description. No, that's fantastic. Do a little thing as you're left in the middle of the... I just want to hear... Just talk for a second. <laughs> I, I was following you, Lord Dion. Th- that, that way. Go! I like hip check you to go the opposite way. (laughs) Oh no, you run into each other. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Okay, Ezio, give us a little bit of your scene here. What are you doing in the dance? The party splits into two like Red Rover and we're all on either side of the dance floor and people do literally like run at each other and do uh, some foot motions in midair as they dance from side to side and eventually change places. And then the people that you're met with on your right is the person that you're paired with now. People go spinning off. From the top down view, this looks sweet. 
Very good, very good. And Ezio is pulling this off flawlessly, <laughs> though he is quite damp. <laughs> indeed, indeed. It's the next round of the dance. Again, anyone can bail if they wish. Ah, Ezio, good. I apologize about your lover earlier. Let me introduce you to, um, Dame, uh, and then I just leave. <laughs> also. <laughs> 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 Ezio was getting ready to dip you and everything, and you just you just bail, and Ezio like stumbles forward into Dame Spar. So I guess that means you have six and five as your weak points currently, Ezio. Mm-hmm. And Lord Dion, you have three and one. Yep. Let's have a six die combat roll. Let's go for it. Looking for twelve, two sixes. So yeah, six, six, five, four, two, two. <laughs> <laughs> this is not going well for Ezio, but we're making it. A lot of ruin. That's at least three, right? You're going to use armor. Yeah. But the dance is successfully concluded. So Ezio, give us your slightly muddled, compromised end of the dance here. Ezio, confused, goes spilling off into Dame Spar's arms as she goes for another lift at the musical cue and just rips Ezio's shirt off and his <laughs> unworked upper body exposed. <laughs> He does the best to make up for it as they kind of stumble for a second and he falls in pirouettes and pulls her back up above himself and they go back to pulling the spot back off. But he doesn't quite recover from that point. (laughs) Very good. Mark your chain shirt. And Lord Dion, give us your quite flawless victory here at the end. What does this look like? It's great. We get a pentagonal circle of each person at a point. So they make a bunch of pentagons, different couples of people. I mean, I'm at the head of one with Lady Moth. And we flawlessly create a beautiful winged figure together as she sets up for the dramatic final pose. And I go in behind and mimic being the wings that she would fly towards the heavens with. Very good. Very good. And at the end, everyone claps and, you know, is so happy. The sisters, Dame Spar and Lady Moth, approach you both at the end. And they're even happy with each other. You know, the dance brings out something in them. It brings out something buried deep. It takes the tiniest ember of sisterly affection and fans it into a flame, right? And they each give you as a prize, one to you, Ezio, and one to you, Lord Dion, beautiful crystal rings. They put them on your hands, a token of their affection during the dance. The rings are worth two gold, but they seem to sort of hum with magical energy as well. You can add those to your equipment. Yeah, so let's just have the scene. Everybody else kind of just goes into regular socializing on the dance floor now. Various rhyme court nobles, you know, here and there. And the two of you who bailed out can now kind of rejoin the group. Ezio is dead. Ezio is face down on the ground, his clothes in tatters, spittle coming out of the sides of his mouth as he breathes heavily. (laughs) Squire, what happened to your shirt? (laughs) The... Ripped. Get ripped. You should get yourself a drink. You seem tired. Get ripped. Uh-huh. <laughs> Is there a chair to get him into? <laughs> yes, yes. There, there are around the dance floor. There are um, like little fainting couches and things like that, right? Oh, I take full advantage of its name. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> and the gossiping, the dancing, the chatter, the drinking, that all just continues. And you're all still here. (laughs) 
What do you do? Sabatu, you were kind of making some progress outside the dance floor before you were ushered away by the wolves. Mm. It's your fault I was caught out there. I say, staring down one of the wolves. (laughs) (laughs) But there must be something more going on. I'm going to maybe just watch the movement of these wolves. Yeah. If they're coming and going somewhere. But I have three hunt tokens. I'm going to spend it. Oh, okay. Yeah. You want to spend them to 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 meet the goal? Yeah, let's just do it. Sounds good to me. Do you want to get anybody to contribute or are you going to spend all three of yours? Uh, If anybody else wants to contribute. I don't have any more. Yeah, I don't have any. Does anybody have any more? (laughs) I have one. Do you want to spend yours? And now you can spend all yours. (laughs) All right, yeah, that's fine. (laughs) Yeah, I'll spend all three of mine. That's fine. As you've described it, watching these wolves, you'll notice that the wolves stop periodically and nose around the base of the topiary that is in the shape of the king with his arms spread wide. Hmm. And their movement is otherwise like smooth and doesn't stop, but they always stop there. They always poke around and then they keep going. And if you'll walk over, investigate, and you can tell that if you clear away the glass thorns, if you clear away the old sort of tarnished silver flowers, that the topiary can be moved and there is something beneath it, a stairway going down. All right. So I was onto something. Let's see. And I begin pushing these dead flowers out of the way. And as soon as I can tell that it can be opened, I put both hands on the, on the base of it and slide it across. One of the wolves will approach you casually, not aggressively, and it will speak to you in that voice that sounds like a hundred voices in one, a chorus of voices rising out from the void of the cosmos. And it says, I follow you wherever you go, sometimes your friend and sometimes your foe. What am I? Sabatu rolls her eyes and looks over at the star wolf. Are you my past? The wolf cocks its head like dogs often do. It goes to the other wolves. (laughs) And they're quietly commiserating. And it comes back and says, Yes, that is an acceptable answer. Please give our regards to the king. And then it skulks off. Yeah, with that, Zabatu will shrug and descend down the stairs. We'll see how long it takes all of the rest of the party to figure out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you go tell them or do you just leave them there or what? What's... No, no, I'm good. I think it's <laughs> it's more her curiosity pulls her down without conversing. Indeed. What are the rest of you doing? Bruno has some like history and experience with wild animals. And so my thought was that he would go and try to study the wolves and see if there's like an alpha or something that seems to be in charge or the center of their attention. You can take a hunt roll. Go for it. Okay. Is that with two dice? If you're using a skill, yeah. I have a beast. Beast. Yeah. Four. You get a token and you encounter something terrible. I don't think you learn anything in particular about the social structure of these creatures. They all seem to be on a fairly equal plane. Okay. But I will tell you as you're sort of thinking about wolves and the moon, because wolves howl at the moon, you'll recall that I described that the sky is illuminated by several strange moons that you've never seen. But you'll look up and you'll notice that it's not a sky at all. In fact, there are pieces of plaster falling from the ceiling. It's an illusion, and the ceiling is sort of crumbling and falling down. You even have to dodge a piece of plaster at one point. 
this place is more fragile or in a greater state of disrepair than you might have thought at first. What do you do? Do I see that open stairwell when I'm studying these wolves and looking around? Yeah, if, if you're focusing on that part, like if you're focusing outside of the dance floor, you'll see it. You'll even see Zabatu go down. Okay. Oh, that fool. Bruno's going to dip back into the dance floor to grab his erstwhile compatriots mm-hmm. and drag them after Zabatu. Dion, Ezio, let's go. I know we're just getting a flavor for the place, but I suppose, uh, I don't know if you heard, they do this all the time. I don't, I don't know if I can, uh. Ezio, like, rolling off of the couch onto a knee and slowly getting back up. I don't know if I can do this again. All the time or not. Well, come on, then. We have to get going. Fine. One of the crystalline birds flies by and Ezio jumps for it and misses. Looks dejected and follows after everybody. Good. Before you step off the dance floor, Lord Siege stops you, Bruno, and says, Before you go, we must share blood as soldiers should do. Bruno will pull out his dagger then. It would be an honor to share blood with one such as you. And Bruno is going to cut open his scarred hand and hold it out. And Lord Siege takes your hand and he begins lapping at the blood in your palm. He says, you have the blood of a very troubled soul. I can tell you have seen many horrors on the battlefield. (sighs) Any horrors of the battlefield are too many. And he bites his lower lip very hard so that it starts bleeding. And then he dips his index finger into the blood and then moves it over to your mouth. Bruno licks his finger and like sticks it in his mouth. And I'm curious what Ezio and Lord Dion are thinking right now. <laughs> I think there's this pause and then Lord Dion's like, no, Ezio, I don't think we will speak of this. <laughs> for once, Ezio has the parchment out you had given him for his scrivenings. Thinks better of it. Very well. Sacred rights between men are important. More to the point, only soldiers should speak of war, I think. Let's go. Everybody going down the stairs, then? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. The rhyme throne. The circle. Shatter the palace by breaking the throne. Zabatu, you arrive first. The spiral staircase brings you down to what must be the lowest tip of the hanging palace. A shimmering but very cold room of ice and crystal dominated by a massive throne. Around the throne is a ring of a half dozen still sentries. These sentries are hulking figures fully covered in icy armor, helmets crowned by imposing antlers, and they wield a variety of weapons, spears, axes, clubs, that sort of thing. And at the base of the throne are piled treasures. You can't make them out exactly without getting closer, but at a glance, they don't look like anything you've ever seen before, and that makes them inherently valuable. And sitting atop the throne is a skeleton. The skeleton is slumped in the chair. Around its head is a crown of glass thorns. Zabatu, you arrive first. What do you do? Zabatu takes this all in silently. There's the stillness in the throne room 
the way that there is after a first snowfall. Those peaceful nights, the snow absorbing all sound, everything's quieter than it normally is. And as she steps forward, her feet crunching on the frost that covers everything, she first examines the sentries, a little worried that they're going to react as she approaches. Um, But assuming they don't right now... Depends on how close you get. Yeah, I was definitely going to approach the throne, but not to the point of coming up against it, just standing at what I expect would be, you know, a formal distance, right? They're clearly aware of you. They put their weapons in front of them in a sort of defensive posture as you get closer. Your dogs send their regards. The skeleton on the throne says nothing. It just appears to be a skeleton on a throne wearing a crown of glass thorns. Well then. It doesn't even have robes or anything. They've withered away over the who knows how many centuries. Well, I've delivered that message. Surely a messenger deserves payment. Sure you won't mind, and I'm going to approach this pile of treasure. As you get closer to the treasure, you'll see that these tributes that are laid at the feet of the throne, strange artifacts, perhaps stolen from other worlds entirely. There's a box with two windows on it, and a number of buttons on top. There are strangely bound books in an unfamiliar language with odd, shiny pages and impossibly lifelike illustrations. A sort of handheld object shaped like a small crossbow, but in strange colors that you have never seen on such a weapon, and other things. Any one of these, just because of their novelty, would fetch a high price back home. Do you reach for something? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) If you reach for something, the sentry will step in front of you and bear its obsidian sword. I was merely examining the beauty of these objects. No harm intended. What's your ruin right now? I'm at four ruin, I believe. Yes. The rest of the group, you will show up. You're coming down the spiral staircase. You see everything as I've described it, except... For a brief moment, Bruno, you have room in five, yes? Yes, that is correct. For a brief moment, Bruno, the scene changes to be a warm place, a vibrant place, rhyme court nobles milling around, the sentries standing tall and proud, and a shining king on the throne. But then that illusion dissipates almost as quickly as it came to reveal this cold, dead place that I've already described. But you had a glimpse of what the place used to be, perhaps what it could be. The skeleton is actually chained to the throne, and the chains are slowly moving in your direction, Bruno, sliding across the ground. Ezio, you have a vision as well. You briefly see that there are glowing cracks and fault lines running everywhere, emanating from the throne, but all throughout this room, this lowest hanging point in the palace. And again, just as quickly it disappears. Lord Dion, you don't get any particular vision, but I do want to know what you do. So Zabatu is in front of me, sort of engaged with the sentry. Yes. Do I see these chains moving forward or is that a part of the vision? You do see the chains moving forward. Yeah, those are actually moving along the ground. I take a mental note of that. How many of these sentries are there? Six. Kind of flanking the throne. I begin striding towards the king. Mm-hmm. 
as I get within courtly distance. My liege, I am Lord Dion. I have traveled far to be within the grace of your court. I have met the lovely ladies and the gentlemen of your court. I come with a great need, and I hope that you could help me. The skeleton makes no reply. It's just a skeleton. But it does, in your perception, Bruno, it looks up, it raises its skeletal head, and points its skeletal finger at you, Bruno, and it speaks to you in a whispery voice, a voice that seems to emanate from the shadows. It says, Take my place, sit upon this throne, and restore the glory of this palace. Do I get the feeling that those chains that are like slithering towards me are to bind me to the throne? Make a hunt roll. Okay. I have the skill traps. Would that apply here? Sure, yeah. Two. (laughs) The answer is yes. The chains are there to bind you to the throne. Yes, good. And furthermore, you are the object of the king's attention because your ruin is the highest. Yeah. And just to make it a little worse, one of the chains has managed to loop around your boot. Mm. Okay. The king implores you, come, sit upon the throne of dimensions, restore this place to its glory, and be steward of all the worlds. Ezio, what are you doing right now? So my ruin is also five. Do I do I hear? Oh, is your ruin also five? It is. Oh. Yeah. I'd use my chain shirt to keep from dying on the dance floor. Yes. In that case, I think it's speaking to you as well. You perceive it as if it was talking to you. So I think the initial shock of walking into the the room and seeing the cracks around the throne. And to break me from my reverie, I hear this king's noble voice booming. And Ezio, he startles backward and slips and falls. And I see the chain wrapping around Bruno's boot. And yeah, I want to I wanna run and try to tackle Bruno and keep the throne from claiming him. As you run towards Bruno, you are stopped by a young man drenched in blood. You don't know who he is. You've never seen him. But he says to you, no, this is a chance for the sergeant to do the right thing, to make a noble sacrifice, to serve something bigger than himself, something other than himself. Ezio confused. Sergeant. Bruno? These guardians, will they let me get up close to the throne? Yes. Once Bruno gets up to the throne, he's going to rub that star tattooed on the back of his hand. And I'm going to try to burn this throne down. Bruno's not into being a king or restoring kingdoms or having banners. <laughs> yeah, it's not really his deal anymore. So you're going to use Kindle? Yeah. yeah. I like yeah. it. Fire and ice. It's good. Yeah, you can definitely walk right up. The sentries won't stop you because they think you're going to sit the throne. Yeah. As you walk up, the bloody soldier smiles. This is a risk roll. Okay. It sounds like you want to just 
burn the motherfucker down. Is that fair? <laughs> or melt it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Love all that. What could go wrong, gang? You could melt the whole room. Tossing us into the gossamer void it sounds, is what that would do. Yeah, all the bad things that happen with that. That that may happen anyway, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, <laughs> fuck yeah. You've already been warned that this place is pretty fragile. It's ready to ready to go. I think you ignite a circle of fire around the throne and you are trapped inside the circle while we are cut off. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, like that. What could go wrong is the chains ensnare you before you're able to get this off and they draw you onto the throne. They pull you onto the throne. Yeah, I like that yeah. too. That's kind of where I was going. Fabulous. Uh, take a look at your dice. Do you get a light die for your skills or equipment? My idea was actually, can I use a vial of starlight and like channel the spell through that and make it cosmic fire? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. That's metal as fuck. I'm here for it. <laughs> That's Sick. fucking dope. Yeah, so absolutely. There's a light die. Second light die. Devil's bargains. No matter what, that vial of starlight explodes and you become one of the cosmic guardians of the Rhyme Palace. I'm going to say no matter what, at the end of this, you're all floating in the gossamer void. Jesus. <laughs> all right. No matter what. Where the chain is wrapped around your leg, if you survive this and you make it back home, you'll have a dead weight in your leg. You will walk with a limp and you'll feel the pull to come back here. Oh, you always feel the pull of the throne. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's not even so much walking with a limp. It's like walking like I'm dragging the weight of yeah. the throne. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. No matter what, Radic becomes a sentry of this throne room. Or Radic sets the throne. That could be fun too. I think I'm going to take the forever being chained to the throne. There's no avoiding it. All right. Two light, one dark for the ritual. Go ahead and roll it up. There we go. Oof. That is a terrible result because... Oh, no. We can't see it. What is it? It's a three dark. That means it's a fail and you can't re-roll. No. Oh, kill us. Kill us. I love it. Okay. <laughs> Here's what happens. You approach the throne. You're muttering your incantations. Your scarred hand is starting to rev up. There's fire. You know, we can also put out the possibility of a help roll. I do especially have an Zab idea. Zabatu's nearby. <laughs> Zabatu, if you've got one. I don't because I can't see any of this other than him approaching the throne. I feel like I don't know the whole situation. That's true. He's doing it kind of surreptitiously, so we can let this ride, but help roll is an option now. Dion, if you have an idea, go for it. I do. The skeleton did not talk to me. <laughs> I get mad with rage at the offense, and I'm going to pull out my sword and try and stab this thing <laughs> in the head. So you are also sort of attacking the skeleton yes. while this is going on. Roll a light die. Let's see what the number is. I got a three. Your ruin's going up and the same result. <laughs> so, God damn it. <laughs> your ruin goes up because it matches the dark die and nothing happens. So I think you are just a casualty of this moment because you go up to the throne. Bruno can't stop you in time. The fire starts going fucking nuts and you get burned and you're going to take the condition burns on your body and the chains are wrapping tight around your legs, Bruno. You are trying to melt this thing. You've got this cosmic fire from the starlight. And all that happens is 
The throne breaks off. The room splits apart. The throne breaks off and begins floating into the void. But you're on its little island, and the chains just pull you down onto the throne. The bones crumble to dust under your weight. The crown of glass thorns is on your head. And that's just what we see. You bound to the throne, a nimbus of fire all around you, glass thorns, and the throne just floating into the void. The rest of you, the room is totally exposed to the gossamer void. It is splitting and cracking apart all over the place. It's going to be busted up in no time. Remind me what happened to Ardkin, the bone ship. Is it still whole? What was going on with it? It is still whole, but the bridge leading back to it collapsed. Right. Ardkin can be summoned to rescue you all at this point. Ezio, you demonstrated the most skill with Ardkin. If you want to try to summon Ardkin to you all to escape, you can certainly do that. Absolutely. Set goals met, by the way. <laughs> so, yeah, getting Ardkin to you. I think that's another risk roll. Sounds good. What could go wrong, gang? I mean, I think the worst that can happen here is just you're not able to get Ardkin there in time and you're all just floating in the void. Yeah. Yeah. What could go wrong is that Ardkin gets summoned, but who the fuck knows where it's carrying us? That's a great point, actually. Yeah. I'm super into that. Yeah. Aimless Ardkin. Let's take a look at your dice here, Ezio. Any uh, skills or piece of equipment that are relevant? Uh, no, I'm not going to go I don't think skills work here. Unless you've got a smart idea with the equipment, you know, the skills don't look very promising. No. I mean, you have like the crystal ring, maybe, if it ties this place or gives you some power over this place. I don't know. That's true. Yeah. It is a magical item connected to this place, so maybe you can... You were controlling Arkin with your hand earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. It's amplifying my magical connection to Ardkin. That's really fun. Yeah, I'll totally take that. So you got one light die. Devil's bargains. No matter what, Ezio will become Ardkin's boatman. You can never leave. <laughs> wow, it's intense. No matter what, you have to leave some part of yourself on Ardkin. Any other Devil's bargains? No matter what, Ardkin will be the last ship you are able to step foot on. Oh. That's really interesting. Yeah. No matter what, Radek's ghost needing some direction in life will haunt you now instead. <laughs> oh man, we got some we got some good options. There are some good options here, yeah. I really, I mean, I do really like Ezio being the boatman, but unfortunately, I don't really see Ezio, like, that seems really incongruous to me, but I do like either leaving a piece of myself on the boat or never being able to step on a boat again. I think never being able to step on a boat again is really fascinating. I'm going to go with that one. Yeah, that's great. Mark that as a condition that you can't clear. Just yeah. note it in your condition so we know. I think a dark die is unavoidable here, so do two light, one dark. It's six dark. Whoa. Is it really? Yeah. So passes Ezio. You succeed, though. You save everybody. What does it look like? I tried to push Radic out of the way as I dive for Bruno as he is drawn out into the gossamer void. I miss and land gut first on some of the crumbling ice that makes up this room and gasp in a breath of unair. And as I pull myself back, eyes bulging, 
I clutch instinctively to my hand and remember conducting Ardkin. And with a great heaving thrust, I pull my hand up from the floor, up toward the ceiling. And Ardkin comes smashing through the floor, tossing all of us onto its deck. Ezio, unfortunately, though, is struck by its helm. And instead of landing safely on the deck, goes flitting, spinning, forever, into the Gossamer Void. And I think with that, we shall go to epilogues for each character. Bruno, your character is still technically playable, but <laughs> in a very peculiar circumstance right now. <laughs> um, you can maybe decide how you want your epilogue to look. You did not technically go to Ruin 6, so you're still alive or available to be played. <laughs> Think about it for a moment. Whoever wants to epilogue for their character, begin. We see Lord Dion Devanos walking the streets of his hometown. Solemn, travel-weary. Rounds a corner. It's probably raining slightly on the cobblestone. You hear the jingle of money in his pocket. I open back a giant oak door and make my way through a hallway of men and women working in papers and signing contracts. I get to a very large desk with an old man sitting behind it, and I plop the satchel of gold on the desk. There is the first payment, Father. And I walk away. <laughs> Very good. We see Zabatu in a candlelit room. It's bare other than the shelves of scrolls and books. And the floor is carved with runes. She hunches naked over her wrappings that she is scrawling on with magically infused ink and we see her as she finishes and puts the quill back in its ink pot she begins wrapping these strips of cloth back around herself and as she does so you see her dark eyes underneath her dark bangs glaring forward she mutters some words and a pack of starlet hounds flicker and materialize around her nice I think the camera fades in on Bruno chained to the throne, floating through space. And then in a time lapse, a fortress of ice begins to grow out from the pedestal that the throne sits on around him. Eventually, it becomes a massive star fortress. And the camera zooms in on Bruno and the air shimmers before him as he opens his mouth and some blood begins to spill from his mouth and it coagulates and shimmers into Lord Siege, who's now kneeling before him. And an army of ice soldiers steps out to flank the throne. <laughs> nice. Very nice.
floating in the gossamer void, Ezio's ice-ridden body floats for a moment, and one bead of sweat dribbles down his forehead, and a frozen handkerchief spinning latches itself on his face and slides off as he goes spinning back out into the gossamer void. <laughs> I will end with a scene of Beatrix Mandrake floating intentionally, purposefully in the gossamer void, floating in the direction that Ezio floated off in. She's going to find you and we'll just end there. Dion socially uh, vulnerable. You're just too good of a dancer. I'm just <laughs> such a great uh, dancer. So lovely and overly charming. Um, <laughs> I think if I have one weakness is that I work too much. <laughs> yeah, classic. I'm interview. too honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Roll your weak point. I'm susceptible to this dance in that I suck at dancing. I'm not good at dancing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is just what happens to Ryan at every wedding. He's ever uh, once at, again, so Bruno is not the, a character. The bleed is real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan's best dance or Bruno, sorry, it's some Freudian slip. Bruno's best dance move is the finger pointing. <laughs> You're you're Hip, goddamn right hips. it is. <laughs> <laughs> hips are just locked in center and do yeah. not <laughs> Weird jutting motions of their legs, uh, like stepping them out forward and kind of a diva strike uh, across from each other, reeling it back in, back out, back in. Are we doing the time work? Is that what's <laughs> happening? Doing the is time. that what you're just describing? <laughs> Group sex groups. <laughs> I think I just described the time warp, and uh, we might be starting to do that. Um, so we're doing this weird, this weird '60s thing above our head, where we're like, I, I, I can't quite. I feel like it's halfway between Night at the Roxbury and like uh, something from Bewitched, and. I dream of genie is actually what I think you're you're going for. <laughs> I was I dream of genie. That is what I meant. Thank you. <laughs> you have to leave some part of yourself on Ardkin. Your bones. <laughs> I'm taking all your bones. <laughs> your goo.
Oh no, it was I got the way. <laughs> I just had to leave my bones. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's like Pizza the Hut. <laughs> why are you, why? Pizza the we're Hut. So, we're so close to the end, and you had to invoke the ancient name. 